ministry the Lord called me to, to, to start was a ministry for young men in the inner city, the boys choir, and it was designed around the concept of being a part, being a part of something. It came to me one night as I was coming home, we were coming, coming home from Wednesday night Bible study, I'd already made it home before my parents, and I heard the gunshots, which was something that was typical in our neighborhood, but I, after that I heard a pecking on the window. When I looked out the window, it was my mom and my sister and my dad out on the ground because those, the gunshots would, had come right past our house and they had dove, as they were getting out of the car, they dove down. But as I was standing that Saturday, as I was standing in the, in the, um, the kitchen of my home, the Lord spoke to me and I was just saying, God, I don't know, I want to do something to help men. These are young men out here running and doing this and I don't know what to do, how can I do that? And so the idea came to me that men, young men, love, they're, they're drawn to games because of the, the need of family or the sense of family, of being a part of something. And so the choir essentially became like this, this thing that they can be a part of, they can join it, they can be in it. And the Lord blessed us for over 100 young men to be a part of that and inspire and encourage them to build them up and to lift them up. And I can say today that out of that 100 young men, only two of them are deceased. And only one of them is incarcerated currently. That is a blessing to me. It was only brought to my attention by the young men that were a part of it. That hey, as they are out on social media and knowing where everybody is, they said that. And the reason why I bring it up because one of the things we would do is we pull away for the weekend and pour in and build up and strengthen and encourage and to offer them something that they didn't have. And so we, we always have had a heart for men, and we want to continue that effort now, not with just young men, but with men, men and young men. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I just want to reveal my heart to you because we have no, no ulterior motive other than to desire, the desire to see great men becoming, walking into the greatness that God has already determined. Amen? Let's make our declaration. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name. <clears throat> Today, I want to shift gears for the last six uh, uh, times that I've spoken. We've been in a, in a series today of... Uh, uh, as you can see, as in the days of Noah. But today I want to switch gears today and I want to talk to you about the way maker. The way maker. I, we'll get back to this in the days of Noah, but the Lord uh, arrested my attention this morning and, 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 and shifted gears and I had to, had to submit to that and make sure that I gave time to it. And so uh, this week we want to talk about the way maker. Can you say that with me? The way maker. One more time, say it like you mean it, the way maker. All right, let's turn, if you would, to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, we want to talk about this great way maker. <clears throat> the way maker. Exodus chapter 14. There's four verses we need to, to establish our path this morning. Exodus chapter 14 will begin at verse 13. This is a very very familiar story whether you know all the details and the specifics about it you've maybe heard of it in some way if not all of the details of what happened you also have heard the name 
at some point very likely because it is a very prominent name, the name of Moses. The name of Moses. Moses is a central character to this, to the message here, because as a part of this, uh, Moses was a young man, a man rather, who God called forth out of his 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 current working and said, "I've got a plan for you." Now, the one thing about it is, oftentimes when we consider uh, our journey in life, we feel that we've, we, we've wasted time, or we, did, we could have done more, or we, we should be further along than we should be. And I want to tell you something today, whether you've understood this or not, but here's the thing about Moses. God didn't call Moses until he was 80 years old. 80 years old. He was 80 years old when God called him. Why is that important? Because oftentimes as we try to understand how can I do more? How can I be more? Even as Deacon Cleve was challenging men, you say, hey, how, what, what, what do I do? Because I, I feel like I've wasted so much. But here's the reality. God took the time that Moses did up into 80 years and he said, I will use that. And here's the beauty about God. God trained and, and prepared Moses for 80 years to just do 40 years of ministry. So he lived less time after God called than he lived before. He spent four, his first 40 years he spent in Pharaoh's house as his grandson. His adoptive grandson, he, he spent 40 years. At the age of 40, he realized, wait a minute, I want to go out and be amongst my people. And then he left Pharaoh's home through, through, uh, as, as a, as a uh, refugee of, of sorts because he, had, he found himself in a position where he thought he would, he would end up either being killed or going to jail, and he left. Then he went and he, and he married a young woman, and he spent 40 years just being a sheep keeper or a shepherd attending the sheep and in the 40th year of his of his existence as a sheep a uh, 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 herder or a or a shepherd he we find that God calls him forward and says Moses I want you to do something he says Moses there's something in you that you don't realize because what, what caused Moses to run out of Egypt was Moses um, he was a Hebrew himself and they, they, they and his people the Israelites were were slaves or enslaved in Egypt and Moses when he saw a Egyptian doing harm to an Israelite he rose up against him and said stop doing that and when the man would not stop he struck him down and ultimately the man died so even before he understood all that God wanted to do it was already in him to be a deliverer so the one thing that drove him out of Egypt was him trying to deliver one Israelite. Forty years later, after he leaves, it's, it's, it's known, he feels it's known that he's, what he's done. He leaves Egypt. He spends 40 years out behind the mountain as a sheep herder or a shepherd. And as he does that, he gets out there and God calls him and says, Now, after 40 years, Moses, you, have, you are a deliverer. It's in you to deliver. The same thing you try to do in yourself, by yourself, I'm going to send you back in there, but I'm not sending you back to Egypt to get one Egyptian, uh, uh, one Israelite. I'm sending you back to get all of them. And Moses said, wait a minute, God. You mean, wait a minute, I tried that before. I tried delivering one man that didn't work out so well. And now you're telling me that you want me to go back in there and to get all of them? He said, well, who am I to do that? Who am I? 
Because ultimately when we understand what was being said before, that God with us is more than we can do by ourselves. That I can fall in and of myself, but when God is in the plan, it changes the equation. One plus two always, one plus one always equals two. But the problem is that in God's mathematics, one God and you, the equation is just not just two, but it means multiply. He multiplies your ability and what your capabilities are when he comes into the picture. One God plus one you means great things. Whereas one you plus one you might still be more of you. And the reality is this. So God tells Moses, I want you to go back in there and deliver all the people. Moses goes back, he reluctantly says, God, he argues with him, he says, listen, I think you got the wrong guy. Because one of the things that we'll all be faced with, when we feel like we're trying to do something bigger than what seems to be bigger, something that's bigger than, what, bigger than ourselves, or bigger than what we think we have the capacity to do, one of the first things we're going to feel is that emotion that, what if I fail? If I get out there and try to do this, if I get out there and try to do something different, if I get out there and try to do more than I've done in the past, if I get out there and try to be more than I've been, what happens when it doesn't work out? But the question is, if I'm going in myself, yes, the capability and my possibilities are all I have to rely on. But when I go in the power of the Lord, that's why we said, the word says, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, his ability in me causes me to do what I couldn't do by myself. So Moses, as he's wrestling with this, he says, but God, I tried it in my own self. But he says, Moses, what you didn't have when you did it the first time, you didn't have me. When you didn't work out, when it didn't work out, you didn't have me on your team. But once you get me on your team, I change the whole plan. Because here's the thing, you may have failure in your life. It may be in your DNA to fail. People may have been failing in your, in your family for generations. People may have been causing a, a disruption and never becoming much more than what they've become in all the generations before you in your life. But then you must understand, now when you understand how much failure that has been in your past, when you understand how much failure has been in your history, when you understand how much failure has been even in your blood, you must first understand then why Jesus said, that's why you must be born again. Because, see, what you were born of before is failure. But if you're born of me, you'll be born of the power and the strength that I bring about. See, your DNA changes when you get born again. I change your DNA. The coding in your system changes. When your propensity is to lose, he said, but I've made you more than a conqueror. When your propensity is to fail, he said, but you overcome in me. Why? Because I change you when you come into me. So Moses then understands as he comes to God, God says, okay, I've got something for you to do. But you can only do it if I'm with you. How many times have you had something great, something massive in front of you, and all you can think about is what you can do? How can I do this? The numbers don't add up. My resume doesn't add up. My salary doesn't add up. My position doesn't add up. My family composition doesn't add up. Our history doesn't add up. The people I know, it doesn't add up for me doing this. 
And yet God said, that is what I specialize in. Because I am the great rainmaker. So Moses then heeds to what God says. And he's obedient. He goes into Egypt just as God told him. And he goes in there. And then he's, he's telling Pharaoh, hey, listen. The Lord God told me and my brother here to tell you to let all those people go. Now understand this because when you look back historically, a people, a nation is never conquered by one man. A nation is conquered by a nation with a better, faster, stronger army. So here's what God is telling Moses to do. He said, Moses, you, your brother Aaron, your older brother Aaron, and your stick, your staff, you're going there and tell Pharaoh, I'm getting ready to conquer him, and he needs to let them go. That's why Moses said, wait a minute, God, now hold on. Now who am I to go in there to tell Pharaoh to let those people go? Who am I? I don't have any army. I'm no general. I'm no, I, I'm no one that can go in and say, hey, listen, I'm going to take it by force. But God said, you can't do it. And Aaron can't do it. And the two of you together can't do it. But if y'all add me to the equation. See, the thing is, you've got to understand that when it comes to overcoming in your life, you may not have the capacity or the ability to do it. But when you add God into the mix, it changes the dynamic. Why? Because he is... The way maker. So then over the course of time, God shows himself with multiple plagues. And eventually the last thing that broke Pharaoh's back was the death of all the firstborn, including his son. And at that point, Pharaoh said, Y'all get out of here. Moses, Aaron, and all these people, you guys get out of here. But after they left, they were thought about it. So wait a minute. I had all this free labor that I just gave away. And all these people working for me. And it's estimated there were nearly 2 million Israelites. Because later in the book of Numbers, Moses numbers them. All of the men. And he comes up with 600,000. 350 men. Now if you imagine it, if, if just... Uh, half of them had a wife. 600 becomes what? 900. 6 plus 3. 900,000. And if all of them, those who were married, had just one child, 600, the, 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 the 300, we said 350. Half, half of that 600, 300, half of that 600 uh, has, has wives. So that 300 adds another 300 in children. Now we're at 1.2 million. But in those days, it was very profitable for you to add, have multiple children. So then all of them would have likely had at least two children. Now we move from 1.2 to 1.5. And then for those who may have had multiples because uh, their father uh, Israel had, had 12. 
So they likely would have more than two, so they would like to have three or four. If, if some of the families had that, now we start to move our way up to two million, approximately two million people. Now God says, okay, I want you not to go the route of the Philistines because understand this, there was an easier route and an easier path out of Egypt. But God says, I don't want you to go that route because that is the route of the people of the Philistines. He says, I want you to go the route of the desert where the Red Sea is. Now, now, first and foremost, sometimes when God tells you to do something, it's not going to look like the plan you saw. Sometimes the way he's telling you to go does not look like the easiest route possible, but you got to trust that this is his way. So Moses is standing there and says, God, which way to go? He says, don't go this way because that will be the easy route. I want you to go the way of the desert. And here's what happens. As Moses is taking this nearly two million people. Now imagine two million people walking out of a city. It, they weren't going down just one, two at a time. Think about it. They're probably four or five, four, four or fifty, four to fifty abreast across. There's this big, massive people. They've got all of their animals, all of their belongings, their tents. And they're walking out of the city and they're going and watch this now. And they come as they go the route that God tells them. They find themselves on the banks of a sea. They come the way that God tells them to go. And they find themselves with mountains on both sides. And a sea in front of them. And wait a minute. And Pharaoh and his army behind them. And that's where we find ourselves here in this 14th chapter of, 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 of Exodus. Exodus 14 verse 13. Here's what the word of the Lord says. And Moses said to the people, stand, don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. Stop right there. Notice that Moses went in before and he tried to accomplish it himself. But in this case, he said, you stand still because God is going to do the work today. Amen. See, sometimes when the thing is bigger than you, you got to just stand still and say, God, I already know this thing is bigger than what I can handle, so I already know it ain't for me. I could fix it, I would have fixed it long ago. I can't fix it. It must be something that only you can do. So Moses says, stand still. Don't do a thing. Don't pick up your weapons. Don't run. Don't scatter. Don't run back. Don't fall apart. He said, just be still and watch the Lord accomplish his work today. He says, and the Egyptians whom you see today, you should not see them again. He said, listen, what you're going through this time, what you're faced with today, you ain't coming through this way again. If you stand still. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. But look what he goes on to say. He said, the Lord will fight for you. And you shall hold what? Does that sound like falling apart? Does that sound like, uh, I need to go give me a volume to try to get me some rest? Oh, does that sound like I need to just be here? I need to try to pull myself together. He says, stand still, for the Lord will fight, but I need you to hold on to your peace. Wait a minute, what are you telling me? That I can actually keep my peace? Yes, you can, but you got to hold on to it. 
You can't let your peace go. If somebody's in your corner and they keep on talking to you and it's taking your peace, you gotta stop listening. Hey, uh, uh. Somebody come over and they, and they, they have that very spiritual voice. Well, the Lord, you know, the Lord, He helpeth those who help themselves. You say, wait a minute, hold on, but He told me to stand still. Hold your peace. Watch it now. And the Lord said to Moses, wait a minute, why are you crying to me? Because somewhere between verse 14 and verse 15, the people are yelling, they're getting nervous, they're getting anxious. And somewhere between verse 14 and verse 15, Moses said, Lord, what are we going to do? So what are we going to do, Jesus? You ever been there where you said, God, what are we going to do? I don't know how I'm going to get through this, how it's going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen in this situation. What are we going to do? Somewhere between, and God didn't record it, but somewhere between 14 and 15, Moses asking God, God, what are we going to do? And look what God said, Moses, why are you crying to me? Because wait a minute. He's telling them, did I just bring y'all out of Egypt? And surely I didn't do all of that to bring you out here to die. Lamar Campbell wrote a song that said, he wouldn't lift you up to let you fall. He wouldn't bring me this far to leave me. James Clinton said, I don't believe he brought me this far. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Wait a minute. Moses, he said, Moses, why are you over here crying like this when I brought you all the way this far? Why would I bring you here and leave you? Why would I bring you here? But look what he says to Moses. They're facing a red sea. He said, tell the people, move forward. Hold on, God. Hold on, God, because you got to help us. Because if you've ever been to a, an ocean, or if you've been to the ocean, been to the Great Lakes, you know that waves are coming constantly. Large bodies of water have, because of the Earth's rotation and its, and, and its, its movement, the water is always moving. So I'd imagine that they're standing and looking and said, okay, he said move forward. So the army's behind us. We, we do know we have our direction right. Forward is the, the Red Sea. He said, tell the people, move forward. Now remind you now, there's two, nearly two million people. So surely they're trying to figure out now what can we, we can't, we can't build no boat in time enough to get across and we're sure we can't all swim across it. What, what is God talking about move forward? Look what he does in verse, verse 16. He said, he said, but lift up the rod in your hand and stretch it out over the sea. And watch this. Look what he tells Moses. And divide it. Like, oh, 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 God. Wait a minute. You tell you, wait, wait, you now you brought us out here. I just told them you're gonna fight the battle. Now you're telling me to split the sea. Because here's the thing: the Bible says that without faith it's impossible to please God. Hear this now, I'm, I'm gonna give you this. The reason God told Moses to stretch the rod over the water 
and divided because Moses had to at that moment put his faith in action. God didn't need Moses to raise his arm. He didn't need the rod, but he needed faith. He needed Moses to act in faith. Oftentimes, God is expecting you to actually use your faith. Okay, here's how it works. Without faith, Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But watch this now. He that comes to God, he, she that comes to God must first believe that he is. Stop right there. You got to first believe he is God. That nothing is too hard for him. He that comes to God must first believe that he is and watch now. That he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, Moses, he said, Moses, you do something now. Because you have to then seek out the reality of what I'm getting ready to do. Because when they saw Moses standing out there with a stick in his hand, holding it over the water, some of them probably just said, what's wrong with him? Him and that stick, he didn't just gone crazy. Go get that stick from him. Go get this, get this stick. Go get that. I'm gonna get that stick from here. What are these? We got this army behind us. We stand at the scene. This man standing out here with a stick in his hand. Because here's the thing: faith doesn't make sense, and sense will never make you some faith. You won't get faith out of sense. It didn't make sense for Moses, 80 years old, with a stick, standing out there holding over the water. But he says, Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And watch what he says. And the children of Israel will go through the midst of the sea. Now watch this now. Because the natural inclination would have been, let us get a boat, let's get some wood, let's, get, let's try to build something, try to float across. But God said, I'm getting ready to make a way where there is no way. He said, because I'm the way maker, so I'm getting ready to do something that has not been done. And I'm going to do something that you didn't expect for me to do. See, when you trust God and believe him, he said, I'm going to do something, but it's not going to look like you think. Because surely they could have thought, well, maybe God's going to bring a big ship and drop it down. Or maybe God's going to drop down over here and make some trees rise up. But God said, wait a minute, I'm getting ready to do something you didn't expect. I'm getting ready to make a way where there is no way. Because he says, I'm getting ready to allow y'all to walk through the sea. But not just walking through the sea. Any fishermen in here? You know that when, you, when it's raining, or when it's been raining, just raining, not, not water sitting there, just raining, all of the banks of the lake are muddy. 
Sometimes you get so much mud on your shoe, you'll pull your foot out of your shoe because it's so heavy with mud. But God said, I'm going to have you to walk through the middle of the sea. But it won't be any mud. Y'all got on sandals. You got on any, any fishing boots. You don't have on any, you don't have any special white suit, I mean wet suits. You just have on the clothes you came out of Egypt. You're going to walk through on dry land. Watch this now. They're going to walk through the sea on dry land. Now I need you to understand something. The Bible says, he said they're going to walk through the midst of the sea. Here, here's what you need to understand. The further you get out into an ocean or a lake, assuming that it's deeper in the midst than it is anywhere else. See, God's trying to help you understand that sometimes, no matter how bad it is, how deep you are in, how far down you have to go, you must understand that he said, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadows of death, no matter how low the valley gets, I will be with you. They walked through the midst of the sea. They didn't go through the shallow end. They didn't go around the edge where it wasn't so deep where they could just walk through wayside. The Bible says they went through the midst, down in the midst. Now, wait a minute. God made a way where there's no way. Now here's what happens oftentimes in our life and I'm almost done. We find ourselves faced with something in our life, something in our path, something on our journey where we make this declaration. There is no way. And you can fill in the blank. There is no way I'm going to get through this. There is no way this is going to get better. There is no way this situation can change. There's no way we can come back together in unity. There's no way that hope can come to this hopeless situation. There is no way. And here's the thing. Every time you as a man or woman of God find yourself in that position of place where you have faith to believe him to do the unthinkable and you find yourself saying there is no way then you got to remember he is the way. Watch now. So here's the thing. And in here, I want to show you a few things before we close this out. First and foremost, we must, I want you to see this. The first time, that we, the first thing we'll look at was there, there is no way. Genesis chapter 3, verse 11, Moses says, and Moses says, I am a, I, there's no way I'm able to go into Pharaoh and the people and, and the people that demand that be, they be released. There's no way. So there's no way that this can actually happen. Moses is looking at it. So turn to Genesis chapter 3. I want to walk through this with you because I want to show you these things, these examples before we close out. Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. Because I want you to see Moses' his, his human responses. Because oftentimes when we read the Bible characters, we read them almost like they're nostalgic, like, they, like, like these are not real people. This is a real man faced with real challenges and trying to understand how in the world he's going to get through it. Moses, God comes to him and says, Moses, I want you to go in there and tell Pharaoh and look at verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. 
He said, oh my God, I'm just a common man. I'm, I'm just a guy. And here's what the word says. The word refers to Moses as being the most humble man on, on the planet. So Moses was so humble, he was the kind of guy that he didn't want no conflict. And yet God says, I want you to go in there and talk to Pharaoh and tell him to do something that seems absolutely unthinkable. Look at it. Verse 12. So the very next verse, look what he says to him. God responds. Moses said, who am I? Then God, so God said to him, I will surely or certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I've sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt you shall serve me right here on this mountain. I want you to see that because, wait a second for a moment. God just literally told Moses what the outcome was going to be. Read it again. He said, Moses, I'm telling you, this is going to be a sign to you. I'm going to tell you what you're going to do when you come out. Verse 12, he says, listen, and this will be, I will certainly be with you. And it's, this shall be a sign to you. What's the sign, God? When you have brought, when you have already brought the people out. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you and them are going to come to this very mountain and worship. Wait a minute. How many times has God tried to speak to us in the midst of him giving us an assignment? But we were so caught up in our inability that we weren't listening for his ability. Because God said, listen, you're going to do it because I'm going to be with you to do it. So the first one we find that Moses says, how am I? There's no way, God, I can go into Egypt and get them out of there. The next thing, the next there is no way is found in, in, in the fifth chapter of, uh, of, of Genesis. Turn to chapter 5, verse 4. I'm sorry, Exodus. These are all Exodus. And I got Genesis. Don't pay no attention to that. I told you the Lord just gave me this, changed all this this morning. So Exodus chapter 5. Y'all knew that, didn't you? Hey, man, God bless you. Bless your heart. Y'all should have told me. I'm in Exodus. I'm reading from Exodus, but I, but I got Genesis. But don't pay no attention to that. It's Exodus chapter 5, okay? Exodus chapter 5, look at verse 4. Then the king of Egypt, that's Pharaoh, said to them, so it said to Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, why do you want to take the people from their work? Go on back to y'all labor. He said, listen, man, I, there, there's no way I'm doing that. There's no way I'm getting ready to let you take these people anywhere. Matter of fact, y'all need to go out there and get to work yourselves. So there's, there's another, there is no way that this could happen. Pharaoh gets in on it and says, there's no way I'm going to let them go. The next there is no way we find in Exodus 14. Turn to Exodus chapter 14. Verse 10. Exodus 14 verse 10. We find another. There is no way we can get approximately 2.2 million people across the sea before Pharaoh and his army catches up and there's no way we're going to be able to do this. Come on now. How are we going to get across here? Exodus 14 verse 10 here's what the people say. And, and when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold the Egyptians marched after them. 
So they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us out away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Their response to Moses, wait a minute. How are we going to get out of this? There's no way, there's no way for us to get out of this, Moses, because we could have just stayed in Egypt. It wasn't the best, but at least we would be okay. And, and the numbers, we understand that when Moses numbered them, there were 603,000 550 men and as we always did the numbers earlier we understand that there's a great number of people standing out there trying to figure out what are we going to do so there's no way we can get across this water before they catch up with us the next there's no way there's no way we can drink this water and more return to Exodus 15 Exodus 15 23 and when they had come to Marah they could not drink the waters of Marah for they were bitter therefore the name of, of it was called Marah and the people complained against Moses saying what shall we drink he said wait a minute you brought us out here this, this, this water is contaminated there's no way we can drink this water because it's contaminated but look at God's response to that. In verse uh, 16, slide down to verse 16 uh, of this, verse 25, I'm sorry, the very next verse. In verse 25 says, so he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he had cast the tree into the water, the waters were made sweet. So he, they said, wait a minute, we can't drink this water, but God said, I got a way because of the wave maker he said throw that tree out there and the water became sweet to drink so they get tomorrow and God makes a way and then uh, they get hungry out there because you know how it is when we when we when we've done any any walking any journey and any little bit of exercise we get hungry we want somebody to give us get what we gonna eat now they just watch God open up the Red Sea. They walk through and, and on dry land. And then they're going to say, well, what are we going to eat? We, yeah, we came through the sea, but we could should have got some of them fish out of, out, of, out of that sea as we were coming through. So what are we going to eat? Look what it says. In, look, at, look at verse uh, chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat, wait a minute, while we sit there, they had all that meat back in Egypt. And when we ate bread to the full, we could eat all we wanted in Egypt. Yeah, they were hard on us. They were tough on us. We cried out for the Lord to deliver us, but at least we had something to eat. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They said, Lord, you didn't brought us out here. That sounds almost like how we feel when we feel overwhelmed, don't we? 
Even the disciples had them had one of the moments when they were the water was, was was raging and Jesus was down in the belly of the ship sleeping. And they said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? Because each one of us will find ourselves faced with something going on where we say, God, where are you? I'm in this matter, I'm in this situation, but where are you? And I don't know how this is going to work out, but where are you? And the reality we must hold in that is, is that he is a way maker in every situation where there seems to be no way. He says, I am a way maker. So watch this. Slide down to verse seven, uh, verse 6 of chapter 17. God makes another Verse 4 of this 14th chapter. And then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quarter every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. God said, Listen, I will, I will, I will rain bread down from heaven. Slide down to verse number 8. Then in verse number 8, he says, And also, Moses, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, in the morning, bread to, for, to, to the full, for the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. What are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Moses, Moses got tired of it. Why y'all bother me? I don't bring y'all. The Lord brought us out here. How many times have you gotten upset with somebody because they didn't show up or they didn't do what, they, what you thought they would do? They didn't meet the expectation you had while you were going through your trial. Moses said, wait a minute, y'all coming at me, but I, I can't feed you. I, I can't do anything about this situation. Don't get upset with me because you're here in this trouble. He said, listen, the one who can do it is God. See, we have to stop putting our confidence in the wrong places and becoming discouraged because somebody didn't meet an expectation that we had because God is the one who keeps you. God is the one. We've all been there, haven't we? Somebody that said they won't call you didn't call. They didn't follow up like they said. They didn't do what they said. You thought they would show up and bring to your rescue. You know, you already know they got their tax money. And they know I'm over here struggling. They know I, they know I can hardly, hardly get by. Because I know they got, they got that, what they, you start counting their children, they got, they got three. And the tax law say you get a credit, 2,000 credit for each child. They, they know they should have helped. But Moses, wait a minute, why y'all upset with me? He said, the one that can actually do this is God. The one says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Y'all done got messed up over that tax thing. Let me know. bring it all back. It, 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 it. I know, I know what month it is. Y'all don't need to test you, you, you just spent four hours sitting with the tax person trying to figure out what your refund is, so your mind gone. Moses, 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 tell my Moses. Watch it now. So he says, God is the one. So the next one, they come and say, well, you, you, yeah, you fed us. And yet the water turned sweet over there. But now we're in a place where there is no water. 
There is no way, because you got to understand, when they talk about water, they're talking about enough water. This is not, this is not a fountain, people of God. This is not a, you got two million people. They're not looking at a fountain like we have out there or, or some water pouring up out of a spring. They need the kind of water that flows like a river. They need the kind of water because it's not only two million of them, but they also have animal, animals with them. They got cattle. They got to be able to feed their livestock. So look what they said. Uh, uh, slide over to, to Genesis chapter, I mean, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 17. Look what they say in Exodus 17, verse 2. This is therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? The people thirsted, the, the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it that you have brought us out of Egypt to kill us, our children? Wait a minute now. Our children and our livestock are thirsty. We all thirsty. The animals thirsty. Look at our animals. And, and they're thirsty. Our children thirsty. And you brought us out here. There's no way, Moses, you can come up with enough water to give us enough. Slide down to verse number six. God has a way because he's the way maker. Verse number six, he says, look. Behold, I will stand before you there on that rock of Herod. And you shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of it that the people may drink. He said, listen, I'm getting ready to show them they don't need a river. They don't need a lake. They don't need another ocean. He said, because right here where there's a rock, if you know anything about a rock, rocks do not absorb water. I need you to hear this. Water, water, rocks do not absorb water. If you take a rock and drop it in a, uh, a bucket of water and let it sit there, you can let it sit for how long, however long you want. If you take that rock and split it open, it'll be dry in the middle as it was before you dropped it in the water. So God has said, listen, there is no way y'all can wonder how water came out of this rock. So I'm going to bring water out of the rock. Because I'm the way maker. I make a way where there is no way. So he strikes a rock and enough water is pouring out. Yes. The people can drink. Yes. But here's the thing. There's some other examples that I want to draw into this picture. There's another there is no way. It's found in Daniel chapter 3. There's a, there is no way that this can happen because there's three young boys by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so rather than try to give you the whole story, let me, let me summarize for you. Uh, these three young men, the king told them to do something that they did not want to do because they would dishonor God. And he said, we will not bow down because we will honor our God no matter what. In the context of that, the king made a decree that anybody that didn't bow, they must be thrown in the fire. But here's what happens. Because of the anger of the king, the king told them to heat the furnace seven times what it would be for normal. Now, the, the body of the human being burns at about 1,800 degrees. Completely. Everything in your body will burn at 1,800 degrees. Bones and all. That's what they use when they, when they, when they cremate you. 
So he says, we're going to burn this thing seven times what we normally burn it at. It was so bad that when the men who were taking them, they bound them up and they wrapped them up and they were taking them down and putting them in the furnace, the men that were putting them into the furnace got burned up. But here's what God does. Because he makes ways where there is no way. When they threw them in the fire, and then they came and the king, he looked and said, wait a minute. Did we not throw three in there? He said, but when I look, I see four and they're in there in the fire walking around. Because God had made a way where there was no way. Here's the other thing. When they came out of the fire, And the king was like, okay, we got to check these brothers out because what just happened, we ain't seen nothing like this before. They came over to him, and if you know anybody, if you've been, if you've been uh, we, 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 when we first uh, tried to burn a little fire in the house, you know, you, you, you know, it was just all smoked, the wood was wet, and we was all smoked, and the whole house was all smoked up. You know, when you burn wood, you burn anything, wherever there's burning, there's going to be smoke. Whether there's smoke, there's going to be a smell of smoke. They came over to him, they checked him out and said, well, not even their hair has been singed. They looked at their clothes and said, not even their, not, not a thread has burned. And he said, now wait a minute. If he can pass the sniff test. And, said, and we don't even smell smoke in their clothes. Why? Because God had made a way where there was no way. So then later on, their friend, their good friend Daniel, he was faced with the same challenge where the king was demanded he'd do something, bow down and worship. I can only bow down and worship my God and he alone. And watch this. And Daniel finds himself being threatened to be thrown in the lion's den. And we find another, there is no way. There is no way that a young man, tasty looking, succulent, thrown in a den full of hungry lions can survive. There's no way that Daniel is going to come out. Even the king, the Bible says in this sixth chapter that the king was so nervous that Daniel was going to be eaten up and he didn't want Daniel to die. The Bible says he fasted and prayed. Because when he looked at it, he said, there is no way Daniel's going to make it out of this lion's den. But the morning came, the king ran down and said, oh, Daniel, Daniel, is all well. Daniel responded, oh, king, live forever. He said, because the Lord has shut the mouth of the lion, one more time God showed himself to be a way maker where there is no way. Now, let's bring this home back to us. About a year, two years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, we're going to buy a plaza. Offers were down. Attendance was down. And as I made that declaration, there was another, there is no way. Many of you said, there is no way the sanctuary church is going to obtain Grace Plaza. There is no way that we as a church of our size, with our budget, with our giving, with our makeup, there's no way we can do this. 
But the truth of the matter is, I've been helping you to understand that God is the way. Look, that every time you find there is no way, he said, I make a way where there is no way. Because the way maker has to make a way. Can I get, come here, uh, Brother Malcolm, you, you're a big guy. Come here, Brother, brother Michael. Uh, you okay, Ron? How you feel? Come on, brother. You feel all right? I'm, okay. Put you in the middle. You, 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 you have to hear. Stand there. Put shoulder to shoulder. Arm to arm. The way maker. The reality is, is that we, we all will find ourselves faced with something that seems to be fortified in our life. Now, to, 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 to make sure, because we're going to lock you together, lock arms. That the problem seems like it is absolutely insurmountable. The situation seems like it cannot be shaken. Cannot be changed. Cannot be altered. When you find yourself with something that shows you or reveals itself to seem and to appear that there is no way, you got to always remember that when there is no way, God has to make a way. So if there is no way visible to me, and there's no way that it exists that I can come through this or out of this, then i got to say, God, you are the way maker, and because you make ways where there are no way, I don't see a way but make one. So watch this. And God, what he does, he always makes sure that when he makes the way, he goes to the one thing that seems to be the biggest part of it. Oh, you see me now. He goes to the one part of it that seems to be the biggest problem, the biggest challenge, because yes, he can make a way over here. And yes, he can make a way over here. But these ways are not big as this way. So he said, I'm not going to go to the least way because remember the children of Israel, they didn't go down around the side, they went down through the midst. God said, when I make a way, I create something where there seemed to be the absolute positively impossibility in your life because I don't deal with impossibilities, only possibilities. So watch this now. Joshua and the children of Israel, after all of this, Moses is gone on to be with the Lord and their face were going into Jericho. And he says to them, listen, he's going to Jericho. The spies come back, they say, wait a minute. There's no way, 10 of the 12 said, we, there's no way we can go in there. We're like grasshoppers, those people won't eat us up. But Caleb, and Joshua, they, they were of the mindset, they said, no, we are more than able. So when Joshua's turn came to lead, the same mentality, the confidence he had in God's ability, they came to Jericho. Well, here's what God told them to do. He said, listen, I know it's a fortified wall around it. He said, but what I'm going to do is, I want y'all to do this. March around the wall one time so they marched around the first day 
The next day they woke up and said, march around again. They marched around again. Third day they woke up and said, tell them to walk around again. Wait a minute, God, you're wasting my time and work. What are you talking about? So they walk around the walls of Jericho the third day. The fourth day they woke up and said, tell them to walk around again. Did we walk around three days? They walk around the fourth day. Fifth day, God, what do you want us to do? Walk around the wall again. That's five days, uh, God, we've been walking around five days. Six days, what you going to do, God? Walk around again. Surely this is it. Watch it now. On the seventh day, watch now. They walked around once each day for six days. But when God got ready to break this thing down, he said on the seventh day, walk around seven times. You mean to tell me I keep going around and around? I keep on praying and crying, asking you God to work out. I keep asking. He said, "No, I need you to be obedient. Walk around, walk around, because somewhere, somewhere between one and seven, you don't want to quit. One and seven, you gonna say, I ain't going around no more. I ain't walking around no more. You keep on walking. You better keep walking because you got to complete the plan." As they go around, they get around seven times, and watch this. And God said, now I just want y'all to shout for victory. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that all this time, we didn't need to get ready for war? We didn't get ready to fight? He said, all I want you to do is shout for victory. And what's this? When they shouted for victory, they said, God, be magnified. You are victorious. The Bible says the walls came tumbling down the wall broke out and not just one way he made the way bless you brother thank you so you gotta understand she said I am the way